the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to the conversation. Craig Roberts along with Dr. Jim Grassi. He is the former chaplain of the San Francisco 49ers, former chaplain of the Oakland Raiders, has spent more than 45 years of professional experience in the world of outdoors and working with sports teams. That certainly lends him a very unique perspective on not just working with men, but on such things as morality and character building. And um, Jim, of course, has got a new book out called Guts, Grace, and Glory. And you talk a lot in the book, Jim, about this connection between the athletic prowess that is developed on the field. And, you know, it's interesting because professional sports these days seems to have a tremendous emphasis on team building. And you got to be all working together to move the ball down the field to make the touchdown. And yet, I wonder if just team building on its own, does that necessarily lead to men building? Um, the, the answer is it takes a man to show a man how to be a man. Mm. And we have some NFL coaches and their assistants, which are men of God that have great character, that are showing their men how to be a man. And consequently, by being a man and looking at this idea of unity as uh, coming together in community and putting our distractions outside the locker room, putting our distractions where they belong is when you leave the, the, the team facility. If you want to use your platform as an NFL athlete, as a politician, as a business leader to talk about whatever that issue is fine but while you're inside let's keep focused and that's where the the coaches are having problems now building this concept of team because to be honest with you one of the coaches i'm working with right now is having major problems they're they're in the run for another potential chance at a super bowl trophy and they have all the players and all the uh, things in motion to do it and yet their team has been so distracted and so broken up that team fights and all kinds of stuff going on over this issue it's hard to build team when people have this attitude it's all about me which is contrary to what scripture teaches scripture teaches that we need to be unified that we need to think of others to respect others to have the right spirit that we're supposed to be of one spirit of one mind and the coaches are striving the the good coaches to pull their teams together with that kind of attitude and yet the unity's not there and so consequently we see this year among a number of teams in football that why are they messing up like they are? Why are they so many offside penalties and all? These guys are distracted. They're coming out thinking they can just flip the switch when they hit the field, that they won't think about what just happened in the locker room, that they almost knocked the other guy out. They, they don't 
they think they won't think about that when in reality it comes back on the field. Does all of this too, and I don't want to take a shift now in our conversation, mm-hmm. does all of this too pretend to the notion that the decline in moral character and in that idea of being a role model is indicative of a real failure, a breakdown in the concept of discipleship and mentoring. And I know I, I get into trouble when I head in this direction because people say, okay, now you're going to start the meddling and you're going to make some comments about the church here, Craig, and you're going to say something like, we don't do the job of discipleship that we should be doing. And if you were expecting me to say that, I have not disappointed you. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what I'm trying to say. And that part and parcel to the importance of discipleship is this concept of mentoring, whether we're talking about mentoring pro athletes on the field or fathers mentoring sons and daughters or older Christians mentoring younger Christians. It's all about working toward that common goal of fulfilling the great commandment, the great commission, and making sure that at the end, our lives are a role model. Our lives are a reflection of who Christ wants us to be. And it seems as if that, as a broader point, both in society as a whole and in the church in specific, We seem to be missing the mark on that big time. Well, as you know, Craig, out of my 13 books, about seven of them have been on discipleship. And my last two, The Spiritual Mentor and Building a Ministry of Spiritual Mentoring, I quite frankly attack the church. And not all churches, but the church has failed in its role in my mind, to disciple men who are supposed to be the spiritual leaders of their home. And consequently, we've got in, got off into social issues or we've gone off into other issues and we're not uh, taking our responsibility as a church, in my mind, to disciple men in from a biblical perspective and understanding what discipleship is all about. And, uh, Jim, aren't those social issues that you speak of and the political issues that we've been discussing Mm -hmm. about and the moral issue, don't all of those go back to a core singular issue, and that is at the heart, at the very center, the crux of the matter is a spiritual issue? That's that's right. And and, and the breakdown of the... uh, moral and spiritual fiber in our community. I'm reminding you know my mentor for 10 years was Chuck Swindoll and I think he's given the best definition of character. It's in my book Guts, Grace and Glory and it says character is doing right on purpose uh, is the moral, ethical and spiritual undergirding spiritual undergirding that rests on truth that reinforces a life and that resists the temptation to compromise. Mm -hmm. And today, I think too many of our churches are not talking about this issue of of compromise, are not talking about this issue of of having a strong um, spiritual understanding and biblical background to uh, help raise our children when 61% of our nation's kids will go to bed tonight without a biological father in the home. And in the inner cities where I came from, Oakland, that's 80%. 
we've lost us we've lost our innocence we've lost our focus in my mind as a country on those uh, spiritual values that we once cherished well and you know we we hear a lot about the moniker you sometimes see the kids with the wristbands um mm-hmm. wwjd Right. Which, uh, in, in my radio ignorance, I thought stood for call letters for a radio station for the East Coast. <laughs> but it actually stands for what would Jesus do? And it's That's an important right. question to ask ourselves whenever we get into that crossroads mm-hmm. and we have an important decision to make. But I think beyond that, too, uh, WWDJ. Not a set of call letters for a radio station either, but rather, what would Dad do? There you go. I like that. And to think about yeah. the kind of mentoring and example setting. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if you look at a family that's falling apart these days, yeah. and there is domestic violence, and there's abuse taking place, and maybe uh, you know, a wandering eye, and all of it that attends to a family that is falling apart at the seams, I will suggest to you that in almost every one of those cases, we will find one, if not both partners, both the husband and the wife, come from dysfunctional homes that have never seen proper role modeling of what a healthy marriage relationship looks like or healthy parenting looks like. And so as a result, they do the only thing that they know to do, and that is they kind of model intentionally or otherwise what they saw happen in their own childhood and so now that dysfunctionality continues on and and sadly not being able to as a young man say here I am I'm at a, a, a facing a moral dilemma I'm at this crossroads I have to make a decision what can I gain from my experience my knowledge and what I have witnessed and seen to, to aid me in making the right decision if you can't say to yourself, well, in this case, this is what my dad would have done, or in this case, my Bible tells me this is what Jesus would do, then is it any wonder that we see so many young people Mm -hmm. today lost and and, and hapless and hopeless out there? Uh, Man, you're dead on. Uh, Once again, Craig, I just love to do interviews with you because your insights are great, and I would take it a step further. I would say that those people that are asking that question instead of going to the church or instead of going to the Bible are going and looking at the sports figures or looking at Hollywood or looking at the political figures and saying, well, this is what they did. Mm-hmm. You know, they got away with this. This is how they handled abuse of women. This is how. And so they are the church. And this is why I'm so passionate. And forgive me if I'm just overly um uh, articulating this point, this is where I think the church has lost their way, that we're not addressing these issues in the church. We ought to be addressing unity in the church. We ought to be addressing the fact that women are abused in our culture. We ought to be addressing the fact that there are out of 800,000 police officers, there's some bad apples in the bunch. There's some people that aren't relating to minority groups the way they should. There are politicians who are not connecting with disadvantaged cultures and people that don't have jobs. I mean, these are conversations that we ought to have. And it comes back to being unified. And it doesn't mean that we have to give up our heritage, give up our personality, or the uniqueness in Christ. 
It does mean that we seek to be unifiers and peacemakers before seeking the selfish personal desires that seem to uh, disrespect and disenfranchise others. It means that we love others as we love ourselves. And that's what's said in Romans 12. And I like it so well what Paul said and wrote to the Romans. He said we're to love ourselves, which a lot of people today do not feel good about themselves for a number of reasons. And, boy, we need to reach out to those folks, too, you know. And it says we're to love ourselves, but we're to love others. And we're not to think too highly of ourselves. And yet that very thing is what I see in sports today, not just football, but these men have... A, uh, for some reason, they have a bigger uh, self-image of, and self-importance of their role in society than, than th- quite frankly, they ought to have. And the area where they should recognize the role that they have in society with a sense of gravitas, they completely dismiss. And we'll talk about that when we come back. Dr. Jim Grassi with us today in studio. Information on the web about his ministry at Men's Ministry Catalyst. Dot O-R-G. That's men's ministry catalyst dot O-R-G. A timeout back with some closing comments with Dr. Jim Grassi as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We are back. And again, as we head into the home stretch of our conversation, I want to share with you information. Jim's latest book, Guts, Grace, and Glory, you can get it through, I guess, the usual suspects, Amazon.com. Amazon's the best way to get it. Now. And, of course, information about his ministry on the web, available at mensministrycatalyst.org. That's mensministrycatalyst.org. Jim, as you've probably heard, has worked as a chaplain. He served as a chaplain for both the San Francisco 49ers and the Oakland Raiders, born in and raised right here in the Bay Area in the East Bay in Oakland and uh, written a number of award-winning books. Again, that latest book, Guts, Grace, and Glory. You can check that out through Amazon.com or through his website at mensministrycatalyst.org. You mentioned, Jim, before the break about the sense that sometimes uh, some of our players think in a haughty fashion more of themselves than they should. And yet, ironically so, there's also the argument that says, and where they should think highly of themselves because of the role model position that they are in, whether they signed up for it or not, because right. of the influential platform that they have been granted, oftentimes completely disregard that. We spoke before our exactly. broadcast began today about the three collegiate players mm-hmm. who were in China as the president is on a 12-day overseas visit to Asia, who has embarrassed themselves, the president, and the country by being arrested by communist authorities for shoplifting. And, of course, China, they don't play. These kids are going to probably wind up spending a little time in jail, I would suspect, before it's all said and done. Uh, China will take advantage of the opportunity to make an example out of these young men. And the sad thing is... As China's about to make an example out of them, it's too bad that they didn't think first about the example they should have been setting by not engaging in this kind of behavior. 
once again, indicative, I think, of the disconnect that we're seeing, Mm -hmm. that that leadership role that they're in, that the opportunity and responsibility of properly mentoring young boys and girls who are looking up to these sports figures is totally lost on them. Exactly. And that's why I remind athletes, your name, your family name is on your back. Mm. You're carrying your, your family name on your shoulders. You have a responsibility. Whether you ask for it or not, it is there. You have a responsibility. If you're going to accept that paycheck, you have a responsibility. Today, it was reported that the NFL is losing about $200 million in direct revenues from this whole fiasco. And again, I come back to the comments we talked about. We need to think about team. We need to think about uh, unity and less about self. And that isn't to say that, again, neither you or I are, are talking about disregarding the issues that are driving some of this. There needs to be discourse on that. Absolutely. There needs to be conversation. There needs to be a unifying and bringing together of races, of the political parties and whatnot, if we're going to have a strong country because we've lost respect globally uh, as I travel uh, in other countries and you have too I'm sure we don't have the same respect as a nation as we once had and because we don't respect ourselves again coming back to Romans it says we're to love ourselves. Romans 12, and that we're to love others. And I love the way uh, Paul, in his letter to uh, the Ephesians, put it in chapter 4 about urging us to live life in a worthy manner, worthy of our calling, it says. And then he goes on to say, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Through the bond of peace. And we've lost a sense of that peace in this country. Um, I, I, yesterday when I came into town, I have a, a, a kind of a, a thing when I'm out in a restaurant. I don't make any show about it or anything, but we, we say grace, my wife and I. And most often I'll say to the waitress, Uh, after she's taken our order, uh, we're going to pray for our food. Is there anything I can pray for you for? And she literally welled up in tears and grabbed our hands, and she said, will you please pray for peace? Wow. With all that's going on in our nation. Here's probably some single-parent mom trying to make a paycheck, and with all the stuff, she's in a a very divisive community there uh, from a, a... a race standpoint and she just feels the tension she feels the pressure she's very distraught she said well you just pray for peace and that's what paul's talking about that's what christ talked about is to look to peace and i submit to you if we took all the energies and efforts that everyone's thinking about trying to make a statement in the end zone or a statement uh, during the anthem or a statement this. We took all that energy and the resources from those men and owners and put it into a pot and stir that pot up what we could do to better this country. Well, and, and coming back to the core underlying issue, and that is, and you touched on this, 
we see this as a social issue. We see this as a political issue. We're failing at the core to see this for what it really is, and that is a spiritual issue. That's right. More specifically put, a sin issue. And if we want to eradicate and reduce acts of racism, we've got to go where the heart is. We need to see a change in heart. We need to eliminate sin because at the core, it is sin that is producing this. All that we see in this tension and in, in the underlying, just bubbling below the surface anger and angst that's out there is all the byproduct of sin. And so that's where this comes back full circle, that this is not a job for the NFL. This is not a job for Colin Kaepernick. This is not a job for... The, the NFL players or the NFL owners, this is a job for the church. That's right. We need to get on the front line That's and right. talk, start talking about the real issues here. And you've used the word distraction several times, Jim, and it's very true. This has created a distraction from the real problem at foot. And the real problem at foot is man's fallen nature, the impact of sin, and our separation from God. And if the church will wake up to our responsibility, that instead of protesting, we need to be out there proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and talking about the fact that racism is a byproduct of sin. And if we address the basic sin nature through Jesus Christ and man experiences a heart change, guess what? Society will change attitudes will change, the unity will come together, and we will achieve that peace that that waitress was asking you to pray about. But the peace doesn't happen just because we no. have a conference at the UN uh, or say, let's all sing a song together. Peace happens when we have an encounter with Jesus Christ, and suddenly now that peace is a byproduct of a relationship with very God himself. That's the crux of the matter. That's really where the solution to this problem lies. And sadly, we're talking about everything else, but what we really need to be talking about. Well, you're spot on again, Craig, because the original sin that caused this world to fall was a sin of pride, correct? Mm -hmm. It was, uh, I want to be a God. Cain and Abel. Yeah, and, and, and Cain and Abel was a byproduct of Adam and Eve, uh, who was broken. But they wanted to be like God. That's pride, okay? And it comes back again to this unity thing, U-N-I, see? It, it's people saying, it's all about me. This, this generation, this culture we're in today, it's about me. I want to feel good. No, I don't want to let you cut in, even though you've had your signal on for a mile to get over in a lane here on the Nimitz Freeway. No, no, no. no. It's about me getting ahead of you. It, it's about me wanting the best food to be first in line. It's about me wanting to display whatever it is out on that field in front of the television cameras, rather than think about what would God want us to do to show unity, to show team, to show that we're of one spirit and of one mind. 
Jim Grassi, as always, we appreciate uh, the time and the insights that you bring to the program. Again, I'll mention his new book, Guts, Grace, and Glory, available through Amazon.com. And again, information available about his ministry on the web at mensministrycatalyst.org. That's mensministrycatalyst.org. Do you still do conferences and yes, speaking engagements? So if somebody eavesdropping says, you know what, I like the cut of this guy's jib, I'd love <laughs> to have him come in and share maybe at a men's conference, uh, they can reach you through the website? We're a nationwide ministry and I still do a lot of men's retreats and uh, a variety of speaking in churches on a numer- numerous topics and uh, would enjoy the opportunity to be called and considered for an opportunity to speak at their church or at their men's event. Excellent. Again, details available on the web at mensministrycatalyst.org. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. America's at war right now. We, we forget this. Uh, we don't, for many of us, we, we, we're not aware of it. It's kind of silently going on in the background. We don't feel the pain of it because we either don't know anybody who's serving or, you know, we, we don't do things like you know, aluminum and tire drives and there, there isn't meat and sugar rationing. So we're not really aware of the sacrifice that's involved in military duty. But for those military families in America, hundreds of thousands of them, they know what it's like each and every single day. And we thought we'd spend some time just kind of educating all of us on on what they go through and the amazing sacrifice, not just on the battlefield, but even back at home, uh, on the home front, uh, with a mother or a father or both sometimes and kids that that are that are at home, kind of keeping the, the the home fires burning, so to speak, while mom or dad are overseas uh, in in service to our country. Joining me now is Lieutenant Colonel Tony Monetti. Um, he, with his wife Peggy, Penny rather, are uh, authors of a new book called Called to Serve, Encouragement, Support, and Inspiration for Military Families. And uh, Lieutenant Bonetti and Penny, great to have both of you with us. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, thanks, Greg. Great to be on board. We were on. we were trying to debate uh, ahead of the conversation today, uh, Tony. Um, short for your position, is it lieutenant? Is it colonel? Or 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 would military decorum insist to be lieutenant uh, colonel? Call me Tony, but I'm a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force. In the Air Force, okay. But typically, there's no way to really truncate that, is there? No, not really. Lieutenant Colonel. Lieutenant Colonel. We'll go with Tony. I like that. Tony's it's easier. Fine, man. <laughs> I'm Talk- originally from Brooklyn, New York, so, you know... Um- Tony makes me feel like I'm back home. There you go. All right. Well, well, Tony, talk to us a bit first, if you would, about the reality check here that a lot of, I think, families who are beginning the experience of military duty, they might either be newly married or newly into the military. And even for the rest of us out there that really don't understand what your families go through. Yeah, for those of you that are just joining uh, the military and for those of you who have no clue on what it's like to be in the military, um, I'm glad to talk to you a little bit about Call to Serve and, and what it's like. Uh, I've had the privilege of serving America for almost 24 years now as an officer in the United States Air Force, and uh, I can just tell you that it's a privilege and an honor to be part of the military. Um, but it's also really exciting and uh you know, lots of new changes every day uh, as far as, you know, what you may or may not be doing. I mean, I've, I've been called to serve and, and gone overseas on moment's notice, and next thing I know, I'm in a foreign country, and, and, and it's exciting. But there's also a lot of transitions and challenges that we have to uh, uh, take part of, especially for our families. And, that's, and I'm really glad you brought that up 
uh, you know, for example, my oldest son, Nico, who right now just graduated from Chapman from in L.A., uh, he, he went to three different high schools, you know, in, in three years. And for those of us that have been to high school, you know how tough it is to move once and to let alone three times. So, yeah, you know, it, it take, gets some getting used to, lots of moves, lots of transitions. But overall, uh, we have a heart for service to America, and, and we just find it it's a privilege and an honor to serve her. It was interesting because some of us on the outside that that are not involved in active military duty or perhaps have never been a part of a military family uh, see the excitement, the glamour. You know, you're traveling and you're doing all of this, and and you know, and a lot of it, no doubt, is born out of the television ads that we see, you know, the recruitment ads and so forth. But not really realizing that there's a backside story to this that is difficult, that is painful at times, that certainly is is challenging. I guess when you get on the backside of it, uh, a lot of those those initially painful and frustrating moments turn into 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 joyful ones on the backside. I, uh, Penny, yeah. I had to laugh in in reading your story. Uh, you got uh, to talking about um, when you guys were called to uh, uh, Vicenza in in northeast Italy, and your <laughs> your initial experiences there. Um, which I don't know if Let you're back. Let me go home to yeah. America. <laughs> <laughs> I know, obviously, Tony's background is Italian. Is your, are you of Italian descent as well? No, I'm not. And I, I thought I knew Italian until I put my feet on foreign soil in Italy and realized how fast they talk. So <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, it, it was such an eye-opening experience going to another country. And I, I wish everybody in the in America has the experience of living in another country at least for uh, a month to to realize um, how great it is in America. But when when we went there, uh, our initial, you know, when we first landed there, the um, I, I tell the story about being in uh, at a fountain and uh, hearing the the kerplunks and the of coins going into a fountain. And as I toss my coins and I make sure they missed because the legend of the Trevi Fountain is that when you throw the coin into the fountain, you'll return to you'll Rome. You'll return. That's right. And, yeah. And at that point, there was nothing I wanted more than to be back home in America. And uh, but as I as I experienced Italy and I learned the culture, um, and this was after a. a a very uh, interesting first first month because my husband was hospitalized and had to undergo surgery, and so during that time I had I was on my own with the kids to find an apartment, not speaking the language, and going through a lot of the um, you know trying to get through Italy and the driving and all of the you know things that you have to get through in a new country. And we weren't really affiliated with the base; we were an hour and twenty minutes away from a base. So, so you really didn't have the support necessarily there of the fellow you know uh, military personnel you're in a strange country um, and and I have to admit we Italians can be sometimes a little bit nerve-wracking uh, the, the stories you share of your your first meeting with your with your downstairs neighbor were particularly encouraging well you know after being cooped up in a hotel for a month with three kids and a dog and um, and Tony was still on bed rest we moved over to finally finding a, an apartment with a kitchen because you can't find one in Italy that has a kitchen because everybody takes them when they move. And we finally found one with a kitchen. And as we were moving in and the kids were getting ready to go to the pool because I, they, I bribed them with a, going to the pool after we unpacked, and uh, I heard a knock on the door. And as I went to the door, a beautiful middle-aged woman came to the door. 
And uh, I thought, God, this is wonderful. We've got Italian hospitality right off the bat. They're going to welcome me. <laughs> and she said, in broken English, she said, she said, how long do you plan on being here? And I said, well, maybe two years. And she said, well, I cannot have all of this noise on my head for two years. I, I, I want you to stop. And, and, she was, and she said something in Italian that I'm sure was not very nice, and she stormed out the door. And I thought, oh, my goodness, this is, this is my first experience with our neighbors. So we were a little bit, I was a little bit frazzled, and so I took the kids to the pool. And as I went to the pool, I sat down on a chair and, and found one that wasn't populated. It was, a, you know, there was a very crowded. And I sat down, and the whole chair busted. And, and I saw the Tatiana was the lady downstairs. I saw her smirking with another woman, and I could tell, even in another language, they were probably talking about me. And uh, then a, a, an Adonis-looking man came over to my chair, and he said in broken English, these chairs belong to people here. You're going to need, you know, this is not, you're going to have to take care of the expense for this chair. And... And so I decided, okay, it's time for me to go back to the apartment. And as I went back, I realized because I was frazzled, I locked the, the keys into the house. And uh, so I called my husband. He called the landlady and explained to him in Ita her in Italian that, you know, what had happened. And so uh, she said she would come right over in three hours. And <laughs> so You're lucky, yeah, it was that, it, you're lucky it was that quickly. <laughs> you're right. Usually it's Domani. We learned that Domani, Domani. in Italian. <laughs> but uh, anyway, she came over three hours and 20 minutes later to find us sunburned and thirsty and, and uh I, I explained to her in, in English, and even though she didn't understand a word, she, under, she empathized with me and gave me a big hug. And from then on, I learned that, um, that the Italian culture, uh, I, we learn to embrace it. And instead of being afraid of another country, we learn to, um, to, to really embrace their, their values and their culture and ended up having a, just a beautiful experience where at the end of my story, I'm back at Trevi Fountains and I'm throwing loads of coins in because I didn't want to leave this I considered home. So it's all, it's all in the, the, what you make of it. And along the way, I'm sure you, if not learning literally how to speak the language, you know, if you know how to use your hands in the right places <laughs> at the right time, you know, that, that, that's the that's best way correct. to communicate. My, my father has a great joke. He says, you know how to make an Italian shut up? Tie his hands behind his back. <laughs> that's that's, I, how, that's I, how I silence my husband. You're I, right. I, I can say that because I'm Italian. We're going to take a brief time out. We'll come back to more of our conversation. With us tonight, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Monetti, along with his wife, Penny. The book is called Called to Serve, Encouragement, Support, and Inspiration for Military Families. And, and the new book, by the way, published by Discovery House. You can find it at bookstores throughout the Bay Area, as well as through Amazon.com. We'll come back with some more insights as this edition of Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And with Lieutenant Colonel Tony Manetti from the United States Air Force, along with his wife Penny, we're talking about a new book called Called to Serve, Encouragement, Support, and Inspiration for Military Families. You know, as much as we, I got such a big kick out of your, your experiences there, um, Penny, in Vicenza, the notion that for a lot of families, this is a sad story, this is a tough thing. There are some wives out there that say, you know, when... When I met my spouse, he wasn't in the military, or if he was, I don't know that I fully understood this, and he's the one who enlisted, not me, and all of a sudden we're now kind of all in this thing together. It, it really is a team effort. You can't do it uh, one person. 
And that's one thing that I, I've realized with most spouses is that they understand that in, they're serving their country also by supporting their spouse on the home front while they're away on the battlefront. See, if there's any message we could communicate to those eavesdropping on our conversation tonight that think of the one who was in service to God and country in the military as singularly the individual who, you know, carries the the epaulets or the, the, the you know, the, the military regalia or, or what have you. It's not just them. Literally, the families are in service as well, aren't they? Yeah, you, you really are. And the one thing that I would leave with spouses that's so important while their warriors are serving abroad is not to isolate themselves, to stay connected with family members, with their churches, with their uh, community and the military. Because once you become isolated, and, and the Bible verse comes to mind of 1 Peter 5, 8, be self-controlled and alert, your enemy prowls around like the roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The lion, when he hunts, he separates the, the prey from the pack. And that's what the devil does with, with any of us in our lives, that when he wants to attack, is he separates us from those who give us the most strength. And sticking with, uh, you know, with your, your accountability partners, with um, good friends, that helps. And that's the same goes with the warriors that are serving overseas, that they surround themselves with a good, strong community of friends and uh, positive influences and stay in the word. That is that is what the you know the best thing to do. Tony, does that also give you a sense of peace of mind as well? Because let's face it, you're you're out there. You're right now. You're flying the the B two stealth bomber. You're going on missions and and sorties and so forth. Uh, does it give you a greater sense of of peace as you're about this very stressful, critically important job to know that things are being taken home, care of at home? Well, without question, every every warrior that that deploys overseas is more at peace and able to focus on the mission when they know that uh, their families are being taken care of. And I can, I can tell you that our government and our Department of Defense does a great job in uh, supporting our families, giving them good medical treatment, you know, giving them a good security and housing. I mean, there's no other greater country than, than America on this planet. And, and it's nice to know that, that our, our uh, government, our, our, our military is taking care of our families. But more importantly, like Penny was alluding to, uh, it, it starts with the home as far as you as a, as a warrior explaining to your wife and children and being honest with them that there's, there's a possibility you may deploy at any moment. And so, it's, you know, have your will done, power of attorney, have the, the lines of communication open so that they know that they can rely on talking to you if and when possible. But more importantly, that, that to know that they're, they're a strong family unit so that when you leave, they're going to be taken care of because they're strong. Absolutely. Uh, any any words of advice that you can share? Uh, and let me start, uh, Tony, first with you. Um, uh, for those listening right now that are not in the military, um, you know, you're, you're doing your duty. I think we as Americans have a duty to you uh, to help support you. What 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 should we who are, are, are in the civilian end of this? Uh, how can we better support you guys and, and most importantly your families too? I think uh, that's a great question. Uh, Craig, uh, the first thing that comes to mind for me is that, you know, when we're in uniform and people see us either at the airport or, or even just uh, in town, that they say thanks for serving. I know that sounds cliche-ish, but just the, uh, knowing that you care and you're appreciated is great. And I, I can also say that if there's business people out there 
Um, I know times are tough, uh, but if you offer some sort of military appreciation, uh, whatever that may be, it's just it's just special. My son just enlisted in the army uh, a few weeks ago. Decided to go in, and wait a minute, wait a minute. The the army. You're in the air force. Hang I on know, a minute here. What happened, Tony? I don't even let me go. In what here. happened? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's always wanted to be a GI Joe. You know. It's okay. But, both uh, both of my grandfathers were in the navy. What does my father really? do? He joins the marines. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got a true joint force now. But when my but my what I was getting at was Antonio uh, joined the military. They gave him an ID card. He starts training here soon. And um, and he went to a store and they they, they they gave him a military discount like ten percent off and he goes wow dad that's really cool that they appreciate me I go yeah see that son I go it's just their way of saying thanks so I, I would say to the listeners out there um, that, that there's that's one of the things you can do uh, another thing that's that that you can do if you go to call to serve ministry dot com we literally have pages of information of and Penny and I have researched of almost I wouldn't say almost about a hundred different organizations that are supporting the military and so if you're interested in getting involved in connecting with these with these organizations so that you can connect with warriors overseas that's another great thing you can do of course there's uh, there's letters of encouragement you can write when i was overseas i would get letters from kids saying thanks for serving america i mean that, that meant so much to me i still have those letters of boxes down the basement and that because it just meant a lot to me you know yeah, and and supporting organizations like the USO and so forth. Absolutely, yes, sir. No doubt about it. And, and Penny, from your perspective, uh, same question. Well, I would definitely say for those families that are on the home front, and maybe there's someone you go to church with or you know of, um, reaching out to them, just uh, offering them to babysit once in a while. They don't realize that you know you don't really get a break. Uh, often because you're away from family in most cases and your husband is usually the break that you or your or your wife if it's a vice versa is the break that you get when um, to to get out so just offering to babysit or having someone come over and mow a yard or maybe you know a child that is their parent is deployed and going to their baseball game and taking them out for ice cream afterwards because their parents not there it just shows them so much that that just that they're cared about and it gives that warrior on the on the battlefront just a, a sense of peace knowing that his family is being taken care of. Absolutely. Well, I love what you guys are doing. Again, we want to urge folks, uh, you can get educated by getting a copy of this new book called to serve encouragement, support and inspiration for military families. Get more details too about this ministry, how you can get involved in making a difference and helping to support those in service to our nation through call to serve ministry.com. That's called to serve ministry. Dot com And our appreciation out to uh, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Tony Minetti and his wife, Penny. Uh, uh, Tony, one thought. When, when you when you talk to Antonio next, you just got to say, you know, kid, you join the Army. Why walk when you can fly? <laughs> I love it. I promise you. I'll ask. I'll, I'll you got to say that. You know, you. Army's okay, but why walk when you can fly? You I, know, I don't understand it for the life of me. But, you know, uh, I, I'm happy that he chose to to defend America and be part of our military service. Well, we, we, we are we are privileged to have great men like you serving our nation. Thank you so much for yes, the duty sir. that you do. Penny, thank you for the sacrifice that you make in supporting uh, Tony in the job that he does for our nation, and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you, sir. God bless you. All right, thank take you. care now. God bless. Ciao. All right. Ciao. As we say in Italian, si vediamo pronto.
Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.